Hello everybody, welcome to episode, oh I can't remember what episode it is, let's go with episode 21 21 of Risk and Reward, coming to you live from the President's Cup down at Royal Melbourne, an episode with a bit of a, dif- a difference, uh, presented by Winning Edge Investments of course, you've already heard his voice, my regular co-host John Evans, John you might as well say hello now. G'day to the listeners of Risk and Reward and uh, the unlucky listeners of Risk, Risk and Reward for last week where we had a third a uh, one-shot miss and a two-shot miss uh, in Mauritius. So uh, uh, we were right on the cusp of a very big week, but unfortunately didn't quite make it. And no, none of it for the risk and reward listeners because we didn't manage to record an episode last week. My fault got caught out with timing and a few other bits and pieces, so apologies for that. But we are here this week, John, but it's also not great news in terms of betting. You've you've combed the markets around the world. We've got the President's Cup here, obviously, a two-horse race, and an Asian tour event in Indonesia. But frankly... Not worth betting, I think, would be the way to put it. Well, I did, uh, I think in our last podcast, I did mention that uh, we should be backing the long price which was offered at the time about um, the international team. At that stage, they were $4.50 on Betfair. They've shortened now to three ninety-five, dollars uh, perhaps because of uh, the withdrawal of Brooks Kepka and the possible injury to DJ Dustin Johnson, but... Uh, for whatever reason, those who took that early tip uh, have got a, a quite a bit of extra value at at four dollars fifty. But the Indonesian master, we're going to come back to the Presidents Cup. This, for those who might want to turn off now, this this one or this episode will be more about golf than it will be about betting. The Indonesian Masters is the only other professional tournament in the world, and frankly, JE, the odds suggest just keep your money in your pocket. Well, I think that's right, Rod. The the market is very immature. Uh, this close to a start tomorrow at probably uh, 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the afternoon our time. And normally at this stage we'd have a couple of very long price potential punts. Uh, I can't. I can see a couple that might get out to my kind of uh, favourite odds, but there's absolutely no value whatsoever at the moment on Bet4. I might be. I might be able to. Might have been able to find some on Bet365, but. I doubt it. There's just not a great deal of betting interest in this event. Uh, Subs- so subscriber I, Steve might get something later on in the email, but there's not even any guarantees of that, I suppose, at this stage. Well, so. I think subscriber Steve will will I will have a couple for subscriber Steve in play bets that uh, might reach the heights we would uh, require to, to have a punt. So uh, it's it's that time of the year where. There are limited fields and... Uh, what are we, two weeks from Christmas, J.E.? There's got to be a break somewhere. <laughs> well, I think that's that's the way it is for pr- the professionals. Yep. That's why we're playing the President's Cup at this time. There is one more event next week, the Australian PGA Championship, Rod, which I think we probably will be able to frame a market about. I would think so. Uh, but I just don't think that the, the, the odds are there for us this week. And so we've uh, we've decided that we're going to... Uh, we're going to talk about um, the President's Cup, which we're both here reporting on, and, and it's extremely interesting at this point in time. It's more than interesting, John. We mentioned Christmas for a, for a golfer. It's like a Christmas gift, isn't it, to be able to walk out the door here, walk a couple of hundred metres, and see 24 of the very best exponents of the game that you could find anywhere in the world, including, as you followed this morning, possibly, the, if not the greatest player of all time, by far the player who has played the best golf ever seen of all time, Tiger Woods. I'd, I've got to admit, I've never seen Tiger hit a ball until today, Rod, and I was... He goes I, all right, doesn't he? I got up early, 
because I wanted to go out and watch him on the range. So I set up, I got up early in the range. I had the top seat. I, I had a great view of Tiger from right from behind. And I sat there for the full hour while all the other players practiced and Tiger didn't come out. So I thought, what's going on here? So I came back into the press tent with a you know tail between the legs and I spoke to Jimmy Emanuel from Golf Australia. He said, oh, no, he came out at 6 o'clock and he's already played nine holes with a couple of other guys and now he's doing his captain's duties. So I thought, what an idiot I am. I should have been here early and maybe I couldn't have got in. Who knows? But the anyway, what happened was I went out to watch quite despondently um, Justin Thomas, who's not a bad player. <laughs> and, uh, not and, a bad and, second prize, J.E. You can and, play a bit. And Tony Finau and Bryson DeChambeau, at least it's interesting to watch whether he's playing badly or, poor, or well. And Tiger came out onto the first green and chipped a few balls, didn't play the hole, just chipped a few balls from the back of the green where, the, where a miscue will go. And then I saw perhaps... The greatest lesson in course preparation that one could ever imagine seeing. Tiger didn't go onto the greens like the other three players did where they would expect to be and have a putt and then putt around and putt to various holes. Tiger went to where if he hit a slight miscue, the ball would funnel to and roll to and finish and he pitched and chipped and hit low shots and high shots and spinning shots and no spin shots to various places around the green to where he knows the holes will be. And he walked onto the green and he threw the ball onto the green as if he had deadpanned it and watched the way the run out and which way it went. And after three or four holes, the other Americans started the copying. Mm -hmm. And in front of the, uh, what is six west, for those who know the original course, but is the fourth in this event, six west, extremely famous hole with a very steep sloping green. Tiger hit at least 40 pitches and chips to the green and so did Justin Thomas and Tony Finau and Bryson DeChambeau. They all got the idea that, wait a minute, this guy might know something we don't. <laughs> it's fair to say, Jay, you've been around the game for a while. I'm not saying you're old, but I'm not saying you're young either. Have you seen the likes of it? You would have seen I know you've played with some of the greats of the game. You played here at this very course, if I'm not mistaken, with Lee Trevino in the 70s. Have you seen the likes of what you saw from Tiger today? And I think it would be fair to say, no matter what era he played in, he is just a champion, isn't he? There is something about him that is different to the other players. Well, I went to the vice-captain's press conference, um, and... The reason there's a vice-captain's press conference is they can't have a captain's one because Tiger's still out there working <laughs> on his game. But what was interesting was that Zach Johnson, Freddie Couples, Steve Stricker, the, the US vice-captains, and Jeff Ogilvie all referred to Tiger's ability to analyse a course, to work out the various misses where he should go what he should do what shot he should hit because this golf course has one huge advantage in terms of its ability to test a player that many courses in the u.s don't this course tests line and length and flight and tiger demonstrated in an hour and a half to me 
that he understands not only line and length and flight, but line, length and flight with various spins. So he hit a lot of low spinning shots. He hit a lot of low running shots. He hit a lot of low deadpan shots. He hit a lot of high running shots. He hit a lot of high spinning, high spinning shots. He hooked it from right to left. He hit it from left to right. It was, it was a, a master class. And I can remember playing with Trevino on this very golf course and being unbelievably impressed with his understanding of what the ball did on the ground. And Tiger has said numerous times in the press conferences here that the reason he loves this golf course is because it requires you to understand the ball after it's hit the ground. And not that many golf courses in the world, many in the sandbelt do, but this one does better than anywhere. Yeah. We're grown men, J.E., clearly. You can tell because our voices have broken and we've been on the planet for longer than we care to admit. It's a ridiculous thing to say, isn't it? But it's a privilege to be able to see the talent that is Tiger Woods up close and personal. I know we want to cheer the internationals home and all of that. We want to stick it to Tiger and all of that. But as a golfer, you can't help but be glad that you've seen it before you fell off the perch. That's what I think. DeChambeau took a risk on the 7th, of 130-metre par 3 today, and it bounded off a left-hand mound and ran down, quite fortunately, I thought, to about two feet. Tiger hit the very smart shot in, 20-foot left, 25-foot short of the hole. DeChambeau wanted up and hold his putt for two. Tiger went to his ball, stood over it for quite a long while, and binned it for the half. <laughs> you just... Uh, it's not just talent, is it? It's not just physical talent. There's a, a genuine aura. You, it's you, mental. It's mental. It's, he, he, I mean, I can remember... In your lifetime, you see a number of players, and sometimes you even do it yourself, where you've got a 45 or a 50-foot putt, and you know you're going to hold it, Mm -hmm. and you do. And that's a wonderful experience for a person playing golf from their own perspective. But you imagine Tiger. He does it every (laughs) single day, and he does it almost at will. His record before his um, uh, unfortunate uh, accident. Travails, shall we say. I think that's the word. Um, He didn't miss a putt on the 18th green to win the tournament, to tie for the tournament, or to make the cut. He didn't miss one. Now, that is a record. This is probably a 20-year record. That's a record that you cannot even conceive uh, if you said somebody would ever do it, you'd say it's impossible. Uh, if somebody was able to do it 50% of the time, you'd say that's unlikely. Yeah. But Tiger did it every time. And when you see him, the steel in his eyes, the, the demeanour on the course, the work ethic, the, the mental preparation, the, the incredible mind that's going on all the time, working out the angles, the deviations the possibilities, the, which shot is the best shot of all of the shots, the range of, tremendous range of shots he's got. And I'll tell you, it is a privilege, and I, I'm so pleased that I've come to this event because it may well be the last time we get to see him in this part of the world. Most likely. We're about out of battery. That's my fault, Jay, but I think that's probably not a bad place to leave there. You've, you've answered my last question I was going to ask, which is, was it worth making the trip from New Zealand? I think you'd probably say yes. 
Oh no no no! I'm, I'm I'm so pleased and I'm so I'm so fortunate and so lucky to be uh, to be here in a position I'm I'm learning from the master of podcasting. But not <laughs> only that, the winner of the uh, journalism oh, award now, now. for Australia uh, articles in Australian Golf Digest over a long period of time. Right, it's been an absolute pleasure to be here and a pleasure to work with you. Indeed. Let's go and have some free lunch, shall we? Good idea. What do you suggest? Yeah, I don't know. It's free. We take what we can get. Thanks for that, listeners. Episode 21 in the books. We'll be back next week. We'll probably be our last episode for the year, and then we'll see you in the new year. That's it for Risk and Reward. Risk and Reward.